0: If you're a British comedian in the 2020s, you've got a hell of a shift. Perma-crisis politics provides so much excellent fodder for material that it can be hard to keep up. The saturation of content creation platforms makes it difficult to cut through the noise when everyone and their dog can post funny content. And your own contemporaries, who've been in the trenches with you, may even steal your jokes on their nightly US talk show after being banned from restaurants for being allegedly rude to waiting staff, of course. With all this in play, it must prove tricky to even find enough time to say outrageous things that could get you cancelled. Unless that's what you're aiming for. Thankfully these days, we have no shortage of comedians placing their careers on the chopping block of cancel culture. And thank goodness too, or we would be down at least one podcast. This episode is about more than one straight male comedian making a joke that went astray. It's about a comedian who has built a career on calling out socially backwards, egregious bullshit, turning into the very man he used to mock. This is the story of Ricky Gervais, a pioneer of sharp-elbowed comedy who decided to puncture his own legacy of speaking truth to power. Welcome to Cancelled. I'm your host, Leah, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subject of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately cancelled. Today's cancellation case study is a man whose name itself has come to represent a record of possibly unmatched offence cause, so it's probably best to simply start there. Ricky Gervais. What do you think of when you hear Ricky Gervais? Is it his various stints hosting the Golden Globes that become a near-annual torture for the litany of celebrities that he would insult? It would be easier to list those famous faces he hasn't savagely derided than those he has. Is it his stand-up? Gervais has been working the circuit across four decades, recording podcasts before its cool, and redefining the term mockumentary. Maybe that's it. Maybe Gervais is most synonymous for his sitcoms, Extras, An Idiot Abroad, and most recently, Afterlife. And above all others, as David Brent, the indelible archetype of a mortifying middle manager in the office. Across all of these, in his work in any medium, there's a clear thread. Here is a man who delights in mocking those with privilege. A man, yes, but more brazen than that. A distant observer of societal absurdities and a self-appointed and globally performed judge and jury. He says what nobody else would dare say, and he does it to their faces in front of live audiences. He takes on his role as inquisitor seriously, uncompromisingly. The Golden Globes are a perfect example of this, where Gervais is set loose and rises to the challenge with crackling effect. 2020, his valedictorian circuit in the hosting spot was his tour de force. He skewered the rich and famous and the rich and famous let him. Why? because opening yourself to punishment allows you to be redeemed. In his opening monologue alone, he takes on the elephant in the room and the shadow over Hollywood. Quote, you worked with him. You did it, he tells the gathered glitterati on Harvey Weinstein's stomach-wrenching sex crimes coming to light. Jeffrey Epstein and Prince Andrew are also invoked. Quote, if ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, he says to somewhat muted laughter. Gervais' skewering privilege is what he does best. But what Ricky Gervais also does expertly and subtly is make his audience forget that he too is of that ilk. A man who has a net worth of $140 million can't be as representative of the everyman no matter how hard he tries, can he? But he manages, like few others, to pull it off, with a mixture of razor-sharp wit, even sharper elbows, and a fair degree of guts. But perhaps net worth is a crude way of measuring the everyman these days. More important, more identifiable is his background.
1: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray.
0: And I'm Leah President.
1: And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.
0: If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. A humble Reading upbringing and a very British sense that this is a man who hasn't forgot himself, who isn't beholden to anyone, who did good on his own and for that very reason can say what he likes. He has, after all, earned it. That 2020 Globe's appearance, his last he has confirmed, was Gervais at his zenith. We start here because it's him at his best. You don't have to look hard to see him at his worst. It's 2022. Netflix, The Behemoth has been churning out original comedy specials for years, and this one is no different. A range of big names grace the stage, with Britain well represented. Jimmy Carr and Mo Gilligan among them. Ricky Gervais is first among equals. His special, Supernature, comes back off the third and final series of Netflix-commissioned Afterlife. To say Afterlife is a sitcom wouldn't be right. It's a comedy-drama that leans heavily into the drama. Gervais' work on it, writing, direction, and playing the lead, demonstrates a compassion that he has done well in his comedy career to shield. It's an at times gentle, often absurd, and well-wrought study of grief. It is anti-Gervais, in a sense. Compare it with the searing dialectical cynicism of a heavy-handed jokery of David Brent, and it's a world away. Anyone hoping for a similarly cushioned stand-up special is to be disappointed. Gervais walks out to hit me with your best shot and then spends the next 60 minutes or so spray shooting across society with a comedian's version of an AK-47. Nothing is quite off limits. AIDS gets it. Cancer gets it. There's a smattering of xenophobia. Masturbating over a baby Hitler? Oh, it's in there too. In a promotional interview on The Stephen Colbert Show, Gervais defends his flagrant offensiveness. Quote, I think people get offended when they mistake the subject of a joke as the actual target smart people know you can deal with anything particularly when dealing with something like irony end quote but there was one community that became a recurring target the trans community now it's important to remember the context in which this special sits in 2022 identity has been weaponized The tabloid press, in Britain especially, have regularly run with headlines that depict a culture war between women assigned female at birth and those who have transitioned. The temperature is high. The atmosphere is febrile. On three occasions, Gervais uses the trans community in his material. He makes fun of the use of pronouns in a segment about, quote, old fashioned women, end quote, and rape. He nods to being canceled for saying, quote, only women have penises, end quote, in a skit about Kevin Hart being removed from hosting the Oscars, which, let's face it, is old news anyway. He invokes the name of Eddie Izzard to stir a laugh, and then, at the end of the special, he delivers yet another, quote, full disclosure, in real life, of course, I support trans rights. I support all human rights, and trans rights are human rights. Live your best life, end quote. Quote, use your preferred pronouns. Be the gender that you feel you are, but meet me halfway, ladies. Lose the cock. That's all I'm saying. End quote. That's the joke that one of Britain's most lauded comics decides to bow out on. It's disappointing. It's reckless. It's lazy. It's dangerous. US LGBTQ plus rights group GLAAD was searing in its condemnation. Quote, We watched the Ricky Gervais comedy special on Netflix, so you don't have to. End quote. Glad said in his statement, It's full of graphic, dangerous, and anti trans rants masquerading as jokes. End quote. The statement goes on to say, quote, He also spouts anti gay rhetoric and spreads inaccurate information about HIV. End quote. In short, one of the chief LGBTQ activist groups calling Gervais's material a danger to one of the most marginalized communities. The outcry online is similarly loud. But it's just that, an outcry with little conclusive consequence. Gervais notes in his special, quote, The worst thing you can say today to get you cancelled on Twitter, death threats. The worst thing you can say today is women don't have penises, right? Now no one saw that coming, end quote. Which crowd is he playing to here? that section of society that feels as though reasonable speech is being undermined by a demented, bloodthirsty mob that desires uniformity of thinking. A social progressivism that has degenerated into a breakdown of the hard-worn rights gained in the last century, namely gender equality, that feel, in the promise of recognition and dignity for trans people, therein lies an inherent threat to the rights of women because of the inevitability, they say, that predators will manipulate legitimate trans identity to attack women. And if anybody dares speak out against such sledgehammer identity politics, they will be silenced, cancelled. Hail the brave comedians who martyred themselves in service of liberty. Of course, there's no nuanced analysis that might protect the legitimate rights and identity of trans people whilst combating the very male problem of sexual abuse of females.
1: Warning, this podcast contains juicy tales of a super dysfunctional family. Brothers betraying brothers, friends becoming enemies, and a mother trying her best to keep everything from falling apart. No, this isn't a reality TV rewatch. I'm Dan Jones, your host, and this is one of my all-time favourite true stories. Join me on a trip to the Middle Ages to meet history's most dangerous dynasty, the Plantagenets. This season, the plots are thicker, the ambitions greater, and the betrayals are even more devious in the epic saga of the family that shaped our world. From Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment, this is History, A Dynasty to Die For, Season 2. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold and breathe? You
1: get into ice water, and instead of, like, freaking out, you relax.
0: It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it.
1: I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body.
0: But there's also a dark side.
1: How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method?
0: We can override even death! Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now. If you consider cancellation to mean that there is a public statement by a rights group, an avalanche of dismay online, and the comedian still walks home with millions of dollars, then Gervais is right. Cancellation has been cited, and therefore it must be true. The incident itself is relegated to a one-source footnote on Gervais's Wikipedia article. His comedy career hasn't been blighted, but cancellation, be it true or not, is rendered in different forms. And in getting down in the dirt, Gervais traded in some of his long-harnessed respect as a top-class comic for what plays as a stint better suited to his gammon middle manager, David Brent. There's something about this incident that, to a casual observer, seems forced from Gervais. And there's something to be unpacked in that final statement. It's almost a disclaimer. I believe in equal rights still, he almost says, even if it means I have to slam a community that don't have any to seem edgy. We know who Gervais is. We know he goes beyond the pale sometimes. We know he pushes the envelope. So what makes something offensive from the equal opportunity offender? Well, it's more than just a distasteful joke on a Netflix special. It's the fact that the joke in question was uncharacteristic of Gervais. Firstly, it wasn't funny. Secondly, it was lazy and unintelligent in a way that Gervais can rarely be accused of being. And in that sense, he has cancelled himself. In one fell swoop, he recycled uninspiring sedentary jokes that could be at home on a Republican conspiracy theorist's Twitter and anointed them comedy. And in so doing, he spent a career's worth of political capital he has built as someone who has ostensibly been a rock-solid progressive, just for a chance to say that he could be cancelled. Because that seems to be the zeitgeist at the moment. Gervais says that he is progressive even in the last few minutes of the offending special. And it feels real it feels like he really believes in equal rights. Why? Here's Gervais mustering a moment of real sincerity that doesn't feel contrived, after an hour of relentless cynicism. It genuinely feels as though he believes what he's saying as though he has common sense and is just playing with us. And then he drops a bomb that just feels needless. It's quite sad. Like when John Cleese complains about wokery or Graham Lynham goes on a demented rant to see these comedian giants get down in the gutter. Somehow, it's easy to think Gervais would be different. Now, is he always likable? No. Often he's seen to be a necessary evil. Ricky Gervais, the man who would tell it to us straight. Ricky Gervais, the man from whom no one was safe. Now, it seems, Ricky Gervais, the man who punches down instead of punching up. What Gervais stood for in the beginning of his career was edgy and fresh. Look at his work in The Office and extras. It is built on taking the mickey out of those with agency and power. Famous people understood this, and that's why they brought in. Kate Winslow, Ian McKellen, Ben Stiller caught on to the fact that so outlandish has celebrity culture become that to foster popularity, you have to shit on it. The assembled audience at the Golden Globes over a decade later knew this too. Albeit the landscape of celebrity culture had had the veil pulled back With the horrendous crimes of Weinstein et al. being exposed to the public at large, celebrities understood that comedy like Gervais's was a way to eradicate the shadow of crimes unspoken. When privilege oversteps and abuses, it has to be smashed down. For Gervais, it was an attitude that dripped into his politics. It was Gervais who said, upon the introduction of same-sex marriage, that it was a victory for all of us. He who said poignantly that, quote, you can't take equality too far, end quote and it was likely a progressive dislike of the powerful that led, for better or worse, to his public endorsement of Jeremy Corbyn's labor in 2017. But now, has he succumbed to making fun at the expense of the marginalized to the tune of another few million from Netflix? Gervais is intelligent, astute, and on the button of public opinion so often. If it is the case that the best one of Britain's most successful comedians can come up with is resort to ill-fated jibes against the trans community, or indeed, If he believes that this is in keeping with his tradition of hitting back against the powerful, then what does that say about the state of comedy? Ricky Gervais is a comedy chameleon, in the sense that he pretends to be a lot of things to make jokes land, or indeed to cause the maximum outrage possible. He pretends to be left-wing or right-wing, depending on the day. He attacks issues from all angles. That is what makes him great. Perhaps a better framing of trans identity in his material wouldn't be within a structure that doesn't allow for reflection or an appreciation of satire. Because the Ricky Gervais asking trans women to get rid of their cock doesn't scream to a viewer, look at this man taking the piss out of gamins." It says, look at this comedian giving me a free pass to laugh at people already on the receiving end of endless undue ridicule and indignity. As for Netflix, the incident once again raised real questions about the streaming platform's sanctioning of transphobia after a previous comedy special from Dave Chappelle caused outrage and hurt to the trans community. At the time, the head of the platform said he respected free speech. The distinction of how one person's free speech can infringe another is apparently lost on him. Gervais says earlier in the special, quote, you can't predict what will be offensive in the future. You don't know what the dominant mob might be, end quote. You also can't predict, as it turns out, who might risk being on the wrong side of history to be on the right side of a laugh. This episode was written by Anton Ferry. This is a Broccoli Production.